0: It's the first Sunday of the month, and one of our things that we like to do here at N3C is we like to pray over your finances at the first of the month. Why, you say? Because it's easier to remember than the 17th. No, I'm just joking. No, honestly, the reason that we like to do that is because a lot of people get paid either on the, toward the first of the month, the end of the month, or the middle of the month. And it just is a, it's a time that we as a family can agree with one another uh, for God's provision and thanking him. Most of all, thanking him for his provision in our life. And so as, uh, as I was praying over our finances, um, just so that you guys know, your your financial provision is prayed for often. If you are a, a family here at N3C, we we pray for you. We pray for jobs. We pray for promotions. We pray for um, open doors for you. That So when somebody says, like, I hear testimonies, a lot of people saying, there's no way I should have this job. Like, I'm not qualified. I don't let you have that job. <laughs> so... What I was thinking about for us is, um, for me, coming here and walking through the halls on Sunday morning and seeing all of the faces and the people who are stepping out, like Miss Alex this morning. Did she just so amazing. Yes. Um, I think the first time it hit me is I was sitting, standing in my, my spot over here next to my sweet hubby, and uh, I was watching... Our worship team. <clears throat> and something that I, a gift that I really admire is the ability to sing. And I watch people who can do that. And I'm like, that must be amazing to just be able to open your mouth and sound like that. You know? Like w- when I'm by myself in the car with the radio up really loud, that's how I sound. <laughs> and so I really, I like, always have such awe of that gift. So. Anyway, I was standing there and I was watching our worship team and I was overcome with the thought of God, how cool that you would provide this place that these people with this amazing gift could do this. And I watch Alex this morning, I watched the people who minister to our kids week after week. I watch the people who, you, you know, you think, well, it doesn't take any great spiritual gift to serve coffee. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Here, it does. A lot of patience. Lot of patience. <laughs> but I watch everyone. I look at the people who serve and minister from the sound booth and the media booth, and I am overcome with the thought... That God, you built this place and in you building this place, you give opportunity for people to step into their gifting and calling that they didn't even know that they had. So this morning, what I want to encourage you with is if you are a tither and a giver, I, I know this environment. So I say, I'm going to say here, but anywhere that when you watch people doing and serving God, you are a part of opening the door for them to take a step out and do something that they never knew that they were capable of doing. I love watching Mana up here uh, playing his guitar, the gentleman that plays the bass, not this morning, but I love the gentleman who played the bass this morning too. Where's he at? Anyway, um, yes, (laughs) he won't raise his hand, his wife is going to leave it. But I watch Mana and I think, Mana would have never done that, you know? He's a Hawaiian, he he's a, <laughs> he's like, we claim him as our family. And I think, I watch him and his little girl comes up here and watches him on the stage and watches him worship. And what I think of is I watch Mana and what a beautiful step out that was for him. But not only is it a step for him, but he is showing generationally, showing his daughter, what it's like to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so you're a part of that as a giver and a tither here, you make it possible for us to open the door. You make it possible for us to have lights. You make it possible for us to have sound system, to be able to provide place and opportunity for people every week to step out and to serve God. And you're the one who makes that possible to do that. So this morning I wanted to read this scripture to you. It's out of the passion translation and Matthew six says, don't keep hoarding up for yourself. Earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves, material wealth eventually rusts, decays and loses its value. Instead stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay or lose their value for your heart. Will always pursue what you value as your treasure. And this morning, as tithers and givers in the kingdom of God, you, when you watch all of the people who are serving God, those are your treasures in heaven. You are part of that. You are part of every person who gets ministered to. You're a part of every salvation. You're a part of every marriage restored. You're a part of every child who gets to come up in the faith. All of the kids that are in the Gen Now ministry, you're a part of ministering to those children. You are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I want to pray over your finances this morning. Father, I thank you that you are the one who provides us with the gifts and with the talents to be able to do what we do. Father, we don't do what we do uh, to simply work. We do what we do because it honors you and it glorifies you when we use what you've given us. And Father, in that, I pray over every job represented in this house today, every job represented watching online. And I pray for favor in the workplace. I pray for safety and protection in the workplace. I pray for supernatural increase. I pray for all of the businesses that are represented here, either business owners or those businesses that you work for. And Father, during this time, especially, I thank you for prosperity and increase for those businesses. I pray that every business that is represented here, that there's a supernatural covering over that. And I pray, Father, that new doors of opportunity would be coming to them. Father, I pray that as your word says to us, that we would always have more than enough to give into every good work. So I thank you and I praise you for what you are doing in our lives, that you always provide for us more than enough so that we would be a blessing to other people. And I thank you for that. And I praise you for it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Yeah, thanks, God. No, <laughs> Alright. Man, you guys, I am always excited to be up here. I count it such an honor to get to uh, be part of this church family because I think you guys are pretty stinking amazing. Look at somebody next to you and go, you are not stinking, you're amazing. Alright? <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, back... I don't know, a couple of years ago, we started, well, I did, because I'm the mom. Uh, how, many, how many moms represented in here today? Yeah. How many of you had a mom, have a mom? You weren't hatched. Everybody in here, we totally have that in common. Okay. So moms, we could do whatever we want to in the house, because we're moms. And that's kind of the way I feel about when like, I have littles around me now, even though they're not mine. Like I raised mine. I'm Gigi now. I could give candy and chocolate milk and root beer to your kid. <laughs> I feel like I've earned that right, right? Okay, so, um, Kirstie's over here like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, a few years ago, I started getting uh, jigsaw puzzles, and we I would just put them out on the dining table, and periodically we would walk through and stop and pause and put together you know, a few pieces or, you know, move some things around. And then when we would get that puzzle put together, then I would get another one and just dump it out on the table. And we would all, as a family, every time we would walk through, we would kind of put together a few pieces. And the way that we put together a puzzle, I don't know, I don't know that there's a proper etiquette to putting together a jigsaw puzzle. I'm not really sure, but the way that we ended up, all of us just ended up doing it was we seemed to form the edges and then you kind of, you know, you get the edge built. Is there like professional jigsaws in here that that's like the way you're supposed to do? I don't know, We just that's the way we just do it. So we would put together the edge and then there would be like little pieces, like little parts that would start to form. And I feel like that's the way that 2021 was, is that for all of us, and if you will think about it, that we got little bits and pieces of things And um, what I'm seeing is that the frame that was built in 2021, whether you know it or not, and the little pieces that you got, what's going to start happening in 2022 is that God is going to start connecting those pieces. And some of you, I feel like, had a frame built in 2021, but you have no clue what the picture is that's supposed to go in that frame. And what I'm seeing is... And what I'm sensing is that this is the year that God is going to take the pieces that you were given and the frame that's been built and he's gonna start putting those together and start filling in the the picture for you. And those pieces that you have that you're not really sure how that connects, you're not really sure where it fits, it's going to start filling in for you. And what I feel God's saying for us is that 2022 is going to be a year where he takes all of the pieces and begins to complete the vision for you. He's going to bring the things that you had Um, parts of but didn't really know where it goes in 2022 you're going to receive the wisdom the download the information on how that fits into where he's taking you and the word that I heard specifically was purpose in the journey that you're going to see that the things that you've been through in the past not just 2021 but However long that he 's going to begin to show you as this picture fills in the purpose in the journey and where you 've been, so part of uh, for me back in the in December of twenty one uh, I received a gift and that gift was it was kind of it was super cool gift anyway the words on this gift that i was given was a prophetic word for me and the prophetic word was wild hope and i was like okay i don't really know what that means but i really like it you know so i was asking god what does this mean and how does this fit in my life what does he want to do with it in my life and and As I started praying about that, we then went into the fast at the beginning of this year, and we did a 21-day fast, and toward the end of that fast, God started showing me where this wild hope plays and how it plays in all of these pieces. So this morning, you're going to hear some pieces of things that you may have heard before, but now I have a a more complete picture of some stuff. So a couple of things that you're going to hear may be repeat for you, but I don't know if you're like me. Every time I hear something from the word of God, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense to me now. So I pray in Jesus name that that does that for you. So I'm going to start today in uh, Mark and I'm just going to just quickly go through this in Mark chapter four, Jesus is uh, sharing a parable with his listeners And in a lot of your Bibles, it'll be titled the parable of the sower or the parable of the soil. And what Jesus tells about is he tells about four different kinds of soil. And he begins in Mark chapter four uh, in verse three. And he says, a sower went out to sow and he scattered some seed. And then he tells about four different types of soil. And only one of those types of soil actually produced anything. The first three didn't produce, there was nothing that was produced from the seed that was scattered onto those first three types of soil. But the last one was the only one that produced anything, and it was called good soil. So the people after Jesus gets done uh, talking, then the people that were closest to him remained behind. And in verse 11, in Mark chapter four, verse 11, Jesus says to them, because they're asking him questions, they're like, Jesus, what, what, what are you talking about? (laughs) So Jesus says to them in verse 11, he says to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So what Jesus was doing, and if you read through the gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is the account of when Jesus walked here on earth. And it's the things that he shared while he was here. And what Jesus would do is he would tell parables and parables were taking something that the people were very familiar with, like farming at that time, everybody knew about farming. So he would take something like farming and he would use that and use a story from something that they were familiar with to draw a connection for them to what the kingdom of God was like. So here in this parable, he says a sower went out to sow. And so his disciples are like, what the heck are you talking about? You're talking about sowing, and a lot of us are fishermen. So Jesus is telling them then in Mark 4, in verse 13, he says, Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So when he said to them, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand anything that I'm saying. But what's interesting is those two words, the word understand, are actually two different words in the Greek. So when Jesus said to them, if you don't understand this parable, that word understand in the Greek has a connotation to it being past. Referring to something that previously happened. So he says, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand? The second understand is referencing to the future and an experience, an encounter, understanding or coming into. uh Here's what I found. Oh. All right. I even muted her. Okay. The second, understand, references pointing forward an experience and an encounter that brings a fullness of revelation. So, what Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you don't bring with you to the table some Understanding and some concept for this, how then will you go forward and have a full experience with what I'm trying to tell you? So, what he's saying to them is if you don't get this, if you're not bringing with you some concept of what I'm talking about and a context, you're not going to get anything that I say from the future. What he was saying to them. Essentially is this parable lays a foundation for understanding for everything that Jesus would communicate with them. He said, if you don't get what I'm saying to you right here, you're not going to understand anything that I say to you going forward. The sower sows the word. The thing that's interesting is in this parable is that the soils, there's four different kinds of soils. He doesn't mention anything but one sower one person who is scattering, planting the seed, but what stays the same is the seed. There is no change in the seed. And he says, the sower sows the word. So the word is likened to the seed. What we do know is that Jesus Christ was the living word and that the scripture also tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the seed, the word of God never changes. It stays the same. So the thing that was the variation here, the variable here was the soil. And when Jesus was talking to them, he's letting them know that this parable is foundational for future understanding for everything. He explains to them, he goes on in verses 13 through 20, and he begins to explain that in the parable, that the soil that is the variable in what he's talking about is representative of our heart. And that only one of those soils actually produced something. But what he was laying the foundation for is saying that the soil has a huge impact on what will be produced and harvested in the future. That's what he was wanting them to understand. The soil, the heart, has everything to do with future harvest. I am not a farmer. So I ask for huge grace in everything that I'm about to say this morning. Okay, so <clears throat> at the center of this parable is the seed. And as I was looking at this, there are so many references to seeds in the Bible. There's references to fruit. There's references to harvest. There's references to time. There's so many references to seed. It's interesting to look at. Because there's a mystery in the seed. The seed is planted in the ground. And when you plant a seed, there is nothing about that seed that represents or shows you what will be produced from that seed in the future. How many of you in here have ever planted a seed of any kind? When you plant that seed, you are planting the seed for the purpose of what will come in the future. I don't know. I, I planted seeds one time and I had a little a little hole digger thingy. And I did so many of them that I had blisters on my hands when I was done. If that blister would have come for nothing but me digging a bunch of holes in the dirt, I'd have got so mad about that. <laughs> Not worth my time. But... We plant seed in expectation for a future harvest. Say future harvest. harvest. There's a mystery in the seed and there's a potential in a single seed for an abundance of harvest. Probably, I'm going to guess, I think it was probably like 23 years ago. Darren and I were riding down the road in the back seat of Papa Glenn and Mimi Ann's car. That's our spiritual parents. It's the couple that ordained us. And both of them are now in heaven. And uh, we're driving to go to Lubbock. We were in the panhandle of Texas. And we were driving to go to Lubbock to go eat dinner. And when you come from where they lived and you you, uh, drive drive up to Lubbock, you're driving through cotton fields. And we're talking and having a nice conversation. And all of a sudden, Glenn, quite recklessly, whips the car off the road. But you never really knew what Glenn was going to do. So you're like, hey, okay. (laughs) So Glenn whips the car off the side of the road. And he slams it up in a park. And he says, you kids, come with me. So, okay, whatever Papa says, then that's what you do. So you get out of the car. And Glenn goes out into this cotton field. And there's cotton for as far as you can see because you're in the panhandle of Texas and there are no hills, there's nothing. So you just like see forever. So there's cotton as far as you can see. So he takes us out into this field and he goes to one plant of cotton and he picks off two bowls and he gives one to Darren and he gives one to me. And he says, you kids count how many seeds are in each one of those bowls. So we both counted. I mean, and we're on the side of the highway and there's cars whizzing by, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour and Mimi sitting in the front seat in the car putting on lipstick and we're standing out there in the middle of the cotton field with Papa Glenn. So he says, you kids count, count how many seeds are in those bowls? So he and I started counting and just for the sake, there's on an average, there's anywhere between 25 and 37 seeds per cotton bowl. And a cotton bowl is the, the brown, if you can get them fake in... Hobby Lobby now, <laughs> but I don't know why people want to have fake cotton, but anyway, okay. So you get a bowl and it's the, the Brown, it comes, it's like, looks like a little flower on the bottom and then it's the white cotton. That's a bowl. So in one bowl is anywhere between uh, 27 and 35 seeds. So he and I stood there and counted our seeds. And so then he says, how many bowls are on this one stock of cotton? And on average, there's six or seven bulls per stock of cotton. So he said, how many seeds did it take to make that one stock grow? And Darren and I are looking, because you know he's going somewhere and you want to give the right answer. And we're like, i um, one. And he goes, yeah. And how many seeds produced because of that? How many seeds did you get because of that one seed that was planted? So he went on to impart some Papa Glenn wisdom to us that day. And Darren and I are standing there with some farmer's cotton bowls in our hands that we just pulled. apart, <laughs> And he says, all right, let's go eat. And he just turns around and heads back to the car. And Darren and I are standing there with our cotton bowls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but his point was, one seed has the potential for an abundant future harvest. But it's the mystery in the seed. No person plants a seed because it's just a seed. Everyone plants a seed because of the potential of its production in the future. And Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand anything I tell you in the future? It's all about the seed. Isaiah chapter 55 in the New King James translation, starting in verse 10, says this. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now that word there, again, he's talking about seed He's talking about sowing and he's talking about production. That word water there in the Hebrew is to be saturated and to fully experience, to drench and to experience to full extent. Then he goes on and he says that his word will not return to him void. What that means literally in the Hebrew is my word will not come back to me empty handed. It's not going to come back. The way it went out, it's going to come back with more. So then he tells us that his word is going to prosper. That word prosper means to come in power and sudden and with force. So when he says that there is rain and snow come down to the earth, what he's talking about is there is a release from heavenly realm that happens. And then when that release from the heavenly realm Comes, there is a drenching and a saturation that takes place. And when that drenching and saturation takes place, that it produces something that will not return empty handed, because when that release from heaven comes, it is going to come suddenly with power and with force. That's wild hope. The seed. It's the seed. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a God of wild hope. I have for a long time had a a compassion and a real heart for Elijah in the scriptures. And he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And every time I'm like, I don't, I don't know where to read. I'm not really sure what what God's wanting to talk to me about. I can go to Elijah, and I always get something from him. And sometimes Elijah, I feel like he gets a bad rap, and that's why I think I, I kind of, I like have a heart for him. I'm like, y'all, yeah, be nice, you know? <laughs> don't, don't be so hard on him. He was one of the um, people when you people give him a hard time because in the Old Testament, what the Bible tells us about in 1 Kings is that Elijah was the prophet that went up on the top of Mount Carmel. And when he was on the top of Mount Carmel, he had this big showdown with the prophets of Baal. Baal was a false god that the people of the land were worshiping at that time. And because the people were worshiping a false god, there was a huge drought that was going on. And this was a severe drought that was taking place. And there was a lot of poverty. There was a lot of people that were starving because there had been no rain. So this is happening during this extreme drought time. So Elijah goes on the top of Mount Carmel and there's all of these prophets of Baal that come together. And what happens is Elijah says, all right, you call down fire from your God and I'll call down fire from my God and we'll see whose God is real. So the prophets of Baal build this altar. They spend all day whining and bawling and doing and dancing and cutting themselves and trying to do something to get their God to show up and to demonstrate that he is real. And as many of you can guess what happened, uh, nothing, so then Elijah's like, okay, well, maybe you're God sleeping. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I think that's another reason why I really like him because he's kind of a smart aleck. So he's like smarting off to them the whole time. And I could just see him over there on the side. You know, he's throwing up peanuts in the air and eating them and enjoying the show. And like, you guys are lame. Okay. So then after they're all done, then he gets up, he goes over, builds the altar, drenches it with water, even though we're in a drought, lays his sacrifice out and his God, our God comes in a fire from heaven and not only consumes the sacrifice, the altar and all of the water, it was licked up, it says from fire from heaven. That's a good day at church. Okay. So after that happens, the 800 false prophets of Baal are executed, put to death. That was the day that Elijah had. Now, what happens right after that, he then, there was a man that was the king at that time, and his name was Ahab. Everybody like, "Mm," like that to Ahab. Okay. He was the evil king. He was not good. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, in verse 41, it says this. So this is right after, right after this has happened. So then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, where he had just been. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So his servant went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times Elijah said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Now this is after an extended, extended drought. No rain at all. And Elijah, right after having this experience... And God coming down from fire from heaven and demonstrating to everyone that was gathered there that day. He declares to Ahab, go your way because there is the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah was hearing something that did not exist yet. You guys may remember me talking about this last year. He was hearing the sound from the future. There had been no rain. There was no sign of rain. Six times he sent his servant to go and look after he had gone up to pray. Before he even went up to pray, he said, there is the sound. He proclaimed to the king out loud in front of everybody. There is the sound of abundance of rain. What Elijah was hearing was something that nobody else was hearing. Nobody else was seeing. Yet Elijah's ears were tuned in to the heavenly realm that he was hearing something that nobody else could see. Not even his servant. Six times he sent his servant. And six times the servant came back and said, there's nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't know if Elijah the fifth time, he was like, well, maybe I was hearing something else. Huh? He kept telling his servant, Go again. Now, the servant was reporting what was. The servant was reporting, if you will, the empty field of dirt. Elijah had in his hand the seed, and Elijah was hearing the future potential of the seed that was in his heart. Amen. Elijah was hearing what nobody else was seeing, what nobody else was believing, but Elijah was willing to believe what wasn't yet. And he heard the abundance from the future. Yeah. Amen. The sower sows the word. It's the seed. But it's only that fourth soil that Jesus talked about, the good soil that plants, produces, and creates an abundant harvest. The soil of Elijah's heart allowed him to hear the seed but the future potential of the seed that was in his heart. That's why we all plant seed. Nobody digs holes and gets blisters for the seed. You work for the production and the future that's in the seed, right? Right? There's abundance coming. It's what was coming. It was the future that he was hearing. See, the scripture tells us in Hebrews 11:1 one in the New King James translation, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Passion translation says it like this. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still Unseen. It's what is planted in our heart. It says, now faith. Now, right now, what's planted in your heart, the seed that's planted in your heart, the good soil of your heart, you don't see, you don't hope for what you already have. Like if you're sitting in a chair right now, you're not hoping that you have a chair this morning. You have a chair. You hope For what you don't see yet. Now, faith is the hope of bringing what we don't see into reality, it's the seed. It's the potential that's in the seed. See, the seed, what Jesus was saying, if you don't understand to his disciples, he's like, guys, right here, because this is super important. Lay down all of your stuff and pay attention to what I'm saying. He's saying the seed is the blueprint for you to pay attention because the seed is the blueprint for the kingdom of heaven. The way the seed is designed by God is the blueprint for the way the kingdom of heaven operates. What did Jesus say to us when he, when he said in Matthew, he says, this is how you ought to pray. Our father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the seed we can't see in fullness the heavenly realm right now However, when we have the seed of the word given to us and planted in our heart, what happens is that that seed speaks to us of the future potential of the heavenly realm. And what's so awesome about God is that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, when we pray, that we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done where on earth as it is in heaven it's the seed that has the potential in it it's the kingdom of heaven planted in our hearts with the potential to produce now in this time and here's what i'm gonna say right now i want you to say out loud i'm not gonna get offended at you i'm gonna hold you to that There is a line of doctrine teaching by the church that creates an idol out of death. And any teaching or line of doctrine that tells us that we will have that when we die. We will be healed when we die. We will have peace when we die. We will have comfort when we die. We will have when we die. You're not going to need healing when you're dead. You're not going to need peace when you're dead. Any theology that puts the promises of God off until you die is a false doctrine and is making an idol out of death. Because... Jesus Christ died so that you would have now in this life. It's not based upon your death in receiving the promises. It is based upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he shed his blood. And when he said, I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. So any realm, any element of abundant life that is put off until you die is a lie. And if anybody says that to you, you say, oh, no, 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 no. You are exalting death above Jesus Christ and not even death could hold my Jesus because Jesus was resurrected on the third day. And it's not based upon my dying to receive life. He died so that I could receive life. So you need to get a new doctrine. (laughs) Amen. I get a little passionate about that. Now, you said you wouldn't get offended at me. So, thank you. (laughs) It's about the seed. But, look look at your neighbor and say, "But." But, but. Elijah hears from the future. Now, let's take a look at the very next thing that he hears. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it says this. And Ahab, everybody say boo, Boo. told Jezebel, say ooh, they were naughty. They were super naughty people. Okay, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Just for real reference, they were not worshiping God. They were leading people in uh, worshiping idols, so they were not good leaders, say bad leaders. Okay, Ahab, Ahab, remember Ahab? Elijah told Ahab, you better get home, dude, because there's a flood coming and you're not even going to be able to ride home on your bicycle if you don't go now. So he took off. So he gets home and he's like a big whiny baby tattletale. So King Ahab goes to his wife and he's like, "Eh, let me tell you what happened on the playground today. So this is what he says to him. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done about killing the 800 prophets of Baal and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he, Elijah saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Hours, hours before. This is a man, a prophet of God, who is a powerful prophet. Miracle signs and wonders happened through him. Hours before, this is a man who hears the future. And now, because of one voice, he has gone from hearing the future to fearing the future. One voice. Same man. This is within hours. And again, Elijah, he is so powerful. I love reading about his life. Miracles happening through him. Miracle, hours before that. Hears from the future and now fears the future. If this could happen to Elijah, a powerful, mighty prophet of God, what is the fear of the future doing to us? How is the enemy using threats and fear tactics to create a thought of the future for you and I that causes us to do as Elijah did and run and hide? What happened is it says that Elijah ran for his life. And what he ended up doing is he ran and he was hiding in a cave and God came to speak to him in the cave. And that's where a lot of people diss on Elijah. I don't diss on him for that. I feel like there's a lot to learn there from that, that that's for another time. Fear of the future is a tactic that the enemy uses to cause the soil of our heart to reject the seed from heaven. And if our heart becomes unfertile soil for the seed, for the future, essentially all the enemy has to do is place a threat, something that hasn't even happened, place a threat on you, And when he does that, that threat causes fear in our heart to reject the seed from heaven and causes seeds of fear and doubt to be planted in our heart that choke out the seed of the word from heaven. So fear of the future essentially cuts off all miracle breakthrough that God wants to plant in your heart. So if he can cause us to fear the future, he cuts off our hearing the future. Same place, same place. If you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard from the future. Let me, let me ask you this, don't raise your hand. Some people are so honest when you do stuff, they're like, oh my gosh, that's me. No, it's okay, <laughs> me too. <laughs> But let's just say this. The fear of the future. Have you ever had. Thought. Or thinking about. Being sick. And you're not. But you think about maybe you will get sick. Have you thought about. Losing someone that you love, somebody that's special to you and important to you, dying. They're alive and breathing, but you fear they're dying. Have you had thoughts of not being able to pay your bills? Have you had thoughts of losing your job? Have you thought of getting fired? Have you had thoughts of never finding anyone? Have thoughts of being alone? Fear of the future. It's last week, Darren said it standing up here that's anxiety. What that is, is it's hope partnered with fear. You're hoping in something. But when your hope becomes partnered with fear, it creates anxiety. You're, you're thinking and you're creating in your mind a path of what could happen in the future that hasn't even happened yet. But the thought of what could happen, what might happen, what if in the future in partnership with the lie from the enemy creates anxiety in your heart. So that place, how many of us have had fear in some area of something that could happen in the future? Well, what if, what if, what if? If you have the ability to do that, you have the ability and the gift to hear from the future. Because you're hearing, you're hearing, right? That same place on the inside of you that what if, what if, what if. Let's switch the narrative. What if my healing comes tomorrow? What if I meet the mate of my dreams in two weeks? What if. What if this is what if this situation and what I'm in right now has a time limit on it? What if there is an expiration date for the struggle that I'm going through right now? What if switch the narrative? you were designed. When Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What he was saying is every single person who has been created by God has been given ears to hear. And he goes on to say that you do not hear the voice of a stranger, but you know the voice of your shepherd and that you respond to the voice of your shepherd. But see, when we listen and listen and listen and listen to everything that's going on in the world, the constant negative news, what happens is our ears become conditioned to hearing from the future partnered with anxiety and all of our hope becomes in the negative where actually the word of God is telling us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Where's your faith? The seed. It's about the seed. What is the future production of the seed that is being planted in the soil of your heart? We're planting all the time. We're planting all the time. It just depends on what we're planting. Yeah. So <clears throat> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, God speaks to us and he says that I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. And I'm just going to give you this example, because you guys, I've told you this. And if you've been in this church any amount of time, you know that anything that I'm talking about up here is because God's dealing with me about it. So I'm just a big, fat, open book. So, you know, this is what God's talking to me about right now. Okay. Um, about two, maybe three years ago, I was sitting on the side of my bed. Darren was getting ready in, in the bathroom and I was sitting on the side of my bed and I started crying. And I was talking to him about something that hadn't even happened. And I was so upset. And so beside myself that I was actually in tears. I had worked myself up to the point to where I was in tears about it. And what it was here, here's my world. <laughs> what it was is we had been given the opportunity to have a dog that I have always wanted a golden retriever. And, these sweet people offered this golden retriever to us as a gift, this puppy. And it was totally a God thing the way that this came about. And I'm sitting on the side of my bed and I start crying because in my mind, I'm thinking, if we get this golden retriever puppy, what if she gets sick and what if she dies? What if something happens to her? And my heart is so attached to this puppy. I am going to be devastated if something happens to her. What if something goes wrong with her? And Dar- I will never forget, Darren-, Darren was in the bathroom like the wall right here. He steps out around the wall and he looks at me. <laughs> and he goes, are you crying right now? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he comes out and he looks at me. And he's very sweet when he says it, but he looks <laughs> He goes, "Why are you crying?" I said, "Well, because babe, she's so cute and what if something happens to her?" And he looks at me and he goes, "She's not even at our house yet." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, "Haven't you always wanted a golden retriever?" Yes. <laughs> he goes, Why are you imagining things that haven't even happened and are not going to happen? You're denying yourself this blessing because you're imagining things that haven't even happened. And I don't even know why you're thinking about this. (laughs) He said, I want that dog. (laughs) So I need you to stop doing that. Okay, <laughs> but I was ready to turn this dog down because I was so fearful of my heart being hurt by something that hadn't even happened yet, but I was imagining it in my mind. However, Maisie Mae is now a part of our family and she loves all of our socks. Anybody that has a golden retriever knows totally what I'm talking about. So here's what Jesus said. Let's take a look back at what Jesus was saying in Mark chapter 4 on the parable of the soils. He explains that the soil represents our heart and that there's only one soil that produces. And this is what he says in Mark 4:20. But there are the ones sown on good ground. They're the ones talking about the seed. They're the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some 30 fold, some 60 and some hundred. How many seeds are in one bowl? That's wild hope, man. Mm -hmm. How many can produce the future production, the future potential of one seed? But he says three things. He says, they hear the word. That means that they understand it. What Jesus is talking about. They're carrying with them understanding and they obey it. The second is he says that they accept it. That means that they delight in it, but the root of that word actually means that they take it in. There's a difference between hearing the word and it like hanging out here and getting planted in here. So it says they accept it. It means they take it in and they delight in it. And then last, that they bear fruit, that they produce a crop. That means that there's deeds, there's action attached to that. So, our shifting from fearing the future to hearing the future has three parts. Number one is that you study the word and you listen to preaching. Listen to the word. I love the audio Bible. The U version translation has audio Bible. You can just turn your Bible on and listen to the Bible while you're doing stuff. It's pretty amazing. Listening to the word, studying the word, putting the word in. What are you doing right there? That's the seed. You're hearing the seed. So listening to preaching, there's, there's preaching all over the place now. You can listen to preaching 24-7 if you want. There's preaching everywhere. Listening and studying the word. That's number one. Number two is prayer. You take it in and you welcome it. Prayer is a two-way street. It's not you sitting and barking out everything that God's not doing and telling him how terrible things are. Prayer is a conversation. It's a two-way conversation. It's you sharing and it's you listening to God. So the prayer first is listening. Second is prayer. It's a two-way. And the last one is worship and thanksgiving. That's where the production comes. That's where the harvest comes. That's where the seed that has been taken in, hearing and listening to preaching, you're hearing it, you're welcoming it in, then the prayer, that's fertilizing it, that's watering it, that's drenching it, that's saturating it, and then the worship and the thanksgiving, that's the that out, that's the outgrowth that's the production, that's the harvest and you give thanks and worship even when the seed hasn't popped the soil yet, you know that it's coming so you give thanks and worship and thanksgiving and tell God God you're so awesome for everything that's on the way, there are blessings and breakthrough headed for you and your life right now that you don't even know about, but it's on the way and the more that you worship, the more that you pray and the more that you give thanks the more you're creating a soil And an environment for that full harvest, that full breakthrough, that full production of the seed and the wild hope. The more you do that, the more you're going to see production on it. When I got that word, wild hope, what is wild hope? And God began to speak to me about what is wild. It's without limitation. It's something that has no boundaries put on it. It's something that grows and produces with no hindrance, wild hope. So here's the deal. There is a war being waged for the soil of your heart and your heart. Ecclesiastes tells us that there is eternity put in our heart, that God created our hearts with eternity put on the inside of it. So here's the ticket if you are fearing things to come in this lifetime, that is a warning light to you that the enemy is creating a fear of the future in your life. Why? Because the enemy is defeated in eternity. So the only realm he has to battle in is in your lifetime. So if you're fearing things that are happening in your lifetime, that's the warning light. Dude, you are listening to the wrong voice because God has put eternity in your heart. And when you began to connect the soil of your heart with eternity and this, the eternity that is in the seed, your heart becomes an abundant producing place for the future potential of the word of God in your life. So here's my question for you. Are you being, is the seed being cut off in your life because of fear of the future? And I wanna pray for people right now who are dealing with fear of the future. And I'm actually changing my mind. I don't need anything. If we could just put on the instrumental. I wanna ask right now for everyone who is dealing with fear of the future, I want you to be super bold and this is your opportunity. I wanna give you the invitation to break that off of your life right now. So if you would stand, just stand up. Anybody who deals with thoughts of fear about finances, fear about life, anxiety, depression those are all warning lights and it's not you're not a bad person you're not weak you're Elijah dude you have the gift and the power on the inside of you to call down fire from heaven but there's this voice that is so freaking annoying that is causing fear of the future so this is what I saw as I was praying is couples specifically couples and I want to ask For those couples who are saying, you know what? Fear of the future is not going to dictate our home anymore. I want to invite you to come forward. Those that are uh, having fear of the future for your kids. I want to invite you to come forward. What if my kid gets involved in this crowd? What if my kid goes here? What if this? Shut it off right now. I'm going to ask you to everybody line up. So here's what I'm going to ask. Line up all the way across here. And when this is full in a single row, I want to ask you to start going down that wall and then down that wall. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up here. So if you're in the aisle, you guys go ahead and begin to go down the wall. And right now for everybody else that is in here, that is dealing with the fear of the future, I am hearing that there is a fear of the future of um, being alone, that you did, your fear, your biggest fear is just being alone and not having someone come forward. If you deal with fear of the future of any kind, I invite you, if you want me to put my hands on you, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break that off. You came forward, what's gonna happen? I should tell you this before you come forward. You're super brave for coming forward and be like, I don't even know what we're doing, but I'm gonna do it. You know what that is that's breaking it that's breaking it that's breaking it so right now everybody that came forward and everybody that is standing the first step to freedom is repentance repenting And this is what repentance looks like. It's very simply saying, God, I repent. That means I changed my mind. I was partnering with all of the crap and the thoughts of crap for future. And I'm turning now and I'm partnering with hope for my future. I'm partnering with what you have for my future. I'm partnering with what your word says for my future. That's repentance. So right now, if you're standing where you're at, if you, I invite you to put your hands on your head right here. Taking authority over our mind and saying, in the name of Jesus, I repent for partnering with lies about my future. I repent for partnering with fear about my future. God, you have put eternity in my heart and I partner with your word for eternity. I partner with what you say about my future. And right now, in the name of Jesus, all the seeds of fear that have been planted in my heart... I pluck them out right now in the name of Jesus, that there is no harvest of fear for the future in my heart anymore in Jesus' name. And right now in Jesus' name, I declare that there is abundant room for hope, for the seed of wild hope from eternity to be planted in my heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, declare, I am not fertile soil for field, for fear. I am not. So, if we would stay right where you're at. And if you're sitting right now, I want you just to stretch your hands out towards somebody who is standing around you. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to go with me. I'm gonna start right down here. And I'm just gonna come and I'm gonna put my hands on you. And what's gonna happen is that, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to bump you. There is gonna be a breaking there's a breaking that's going to take place and that like that was wrapped around your head is going to be broken off and all that's going to be there is room for abundant hope in Jesus name so the prayer team would come and just follow behind me and just stay with whoever you feel like you need to stay with so we're just going to go and we're going to break it off no more fear in the future no more fear in the future no fear of the future. No fear of the future. No fear of the future. Only hope. No fear of the future. No more fear of the future. Fear of the future is broken off. It is broken off in the name of Jesus. Fear of the future does not exist. Fear of the future is broken off in Jesus name. No more fear of the future. No more fear of the future. Hope. Wild hope. Hope. Wild hope, wild hope, no more fear of the future in Jesus' name. These households are representative of the abundance, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold harvest. No more fear of the future, no more fear of the future in Jesus' name. Wild hope, wild hope, wild hope in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The yoke of fear is destroyed and broken wild hope in jesus name oh in jesus name in jesus name wild hope wild hope no more fear no more thoughts of fear the sound of fear is silenced it no longer speaks you don't even have ears to hear it no more ears to hear fear of any kind for your future in jesus name wild hope wild hope uninhibited unhindered hope that exceeds all limitation in Jesus name no more fear of the future no fear of the future no fear of the future no more fear no more fear no limitation no limitation wild hope wild hope wild hope the yoke is destroyed the yoke is destroyed fear of the future is destroyed in jesus name no more fear of the future wild hope your home is marked your home is marked in jesus name in jesus name See. <laughs> you just watch and see wild hope. The ways to produce abundance is just allowing the freedom of the Holy Spirit to roam through the rows in your field, to roam over all of the seeds that have been planted, for the Holy Spirit oil to come and to saturate your seeds. It's that release from heaven. So, for everybody that just says, Hey, you know what, Holy Spirit, come and saturate the seeds of eternity in my heart, I invite you just to put your hands up right now in freedom and if it's if it's right here that's so amazing whatever just extend right now Father in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit rain from heaven would come down and saturate the seeds of your kingdom that are planted in our heart and Father in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit come in power come in force come in full experience that the seeds of eternity in our heart are filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit with your promise with your guidance with your truth with your goodness with what you say and right now for every person praying i pray in jesus name father begin to impart to them what you say about their future and listen not with your not with your physical ears right here but listen with your heart and on the inside and it might not be a sound it might be a sensing a knowing a warmth a comfort a peace a confidence thank you Jesus just receive that just receive that right now i want to declare over couples in this room right now the seed is a picture of the kingdom of heaven your marriage is a picture of the covenant with god in Jesus name your marriage is a blueprint for the kingdom of heaven. And I declare right now in Jesus' name, heavenly power, where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. You are exponentially more powerful as a one flesh married couple. So if that is you, I want you right now to squeeze your spouse and receive. We are exponentially more powerful. Because that's the seed that's planted in us. That's the word that's planted in us. We are a picture of the kingdom of heaven in power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you would extend a hand to me, with me right now, to the kids in Gen Now, all of those kids, there's some in the junior high trailer, and there's more back in that direction so extend a hand either way if you feel one way or the other or both and Father in the name of Jesus we declare over these generations coming up that there is more hope, more tenacity more chasing after the word of God in this coming generation than we have ever seen before. Father in Jesus name we release the hope of the heavenly realm of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them that any depression any suicidal thoughts, anything that is coming to them to tell them that their future is anything less than what you have declared over them, God. We break that off of them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you have a heavenly language boiling on the inside of you, I encourage you just to begin to release that right now. What that is, is that is your prayer language. That is the language that God gives to you to speak. It's called the, the tongues of angels. And it's a voice, a prayer that is between you and God. It's your own special prayer language. And it's just between you and him. So if you feel that on the inside of you, and uh, if you feel that right now, and you've never done that before, would you stick your hand up in the air, i got prayer partners that want to come pray with you. Is there anybody? There's a hand over here. Is there anybody else that would say, I haven't ever prayed in my prayer language and I would like to have that. Is there anybody else in here that would say, yes, I want that. I want everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer. Is there anybody else like that? That you want your prayer language this morning? Just stick your hand up and I'll have a prayer partner come to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you are doing I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the God of wild hope and that as a family, we are no longer hindered by fear of the future, but we will see the abundant harvest of the seed that is on the inside of us. And Father, in Jesus name, bring it.